everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 586. And today we're going to talk about Crimson Skies, High Road to Revenge. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Chris Worthington. Hello. And Tony Atkins. Hello. Welcome, one and all. What are we talking about? Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge is a flight combat game for the original Xbox and the follow-up to Crimson Skies for the PC, which was a year 2000 game. There was also a board game even before that in 1998. So this was kind of the end of the trilogy, but we didn't know that at the time. Yes, the reason we're covering this one is because, mainly because it's 20 years old and it was on my backlog. So here we are. And it isn't anymore. Right. uh, Let's go into our histories with this one, starting with Brian. Yeah. So I I think I've told the story before. I got an Xbox fairly late into the Xbox console's lifetime, uh, which was very nice for me because I had kind of a wealth of things to, to play. Um, it was my first experience playing Morrowind because I didn't have a PC for that and mm. Fable and things like that. And one of the games that was on all the lists of at the time of, you know, what were the best, some of the best Xbox games, Crimson Skies, High Road Revenge was pretty high on that list. So I played it, I'm guessing probably in 2002 was my best kind of. Um, I don't um, think you did. No. Um, <laughs> didn't come out until October 2003. Oh, that must have been 2003 then. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it must have been two, uh, two Oh, no, shoot, I was thinking junior high school. Junior, 2004 is when I got an Xbox. Got, okay. that, strike that all from the record. Unless you had you an uncle who worked at Microsoft or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> Super it was early been, alpha build. Uh, 2004-ish, because um, I got a junior college. And, um, and yeah, I remember really liking it. Um, for some reason in my head, I remembered this game at, like having a lot of similarities to Grand Theft Auto at the time. And I'm not sure if that was just because huh. of the circle mini map and like the quest icons, you know, kind huh. of in those little open area sections. But in my brain, that's like kind Going of like the slot that I had filed it into historically. And I hadn't really touched it since. Um, I played it uh, over the last month or two on Xbox Series X, backwards compatible um, on there, and found a somewhat similar but also a very different game than I remember playing at the time. Um, <laughs> it wasn't I remember Grand Theft Auto. No, super wasn't. Um, I also, um, I, I think I, I, I really liked it at the time I played it, and I think that uh, time has has certainly changed that opinion for me. But we'll get into that mm. as we move along. Mm, interesting, uh, Chris. What about yourself? I know uh, you. We, we've had to give you special dispensation <laughs> due to a tragedy, uh, a like so to ju- which I, I suffered on this show many years ago, and it's happened. It happens sometimes. So uh, tell us what's been going on. Should I just get my confessional out the way right off, right <laughs> off sure. the bat? Okay, it's not your fault. So I didn't finish this game. Ah, before Breaking I went to the law. Dream. Well, you know the rules, right? Off. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Bye, guys. Kick Have a off. good recording. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was very close to the end, so I, I was looking back at the uh, mission guide today, and I think I was, I was in right at the start of mission seven, chapter seventeen, mission seventeen. I think there are nineteen, oh, including yeah. yep. the epilogue. So, well, that changes everything. But I don't know about you guys. I mean. <laughs> I have a phobia. Like, this game, and we, 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 we may get into it, we may mention it, but this game doesn't tell you it's saving the game. Mm, you go back no, to not the... Really. Um, Does it? I'm not it, sure. No, I mean, it auto-saves every yeah. time you go back to the, what's the name of the home? The Pandora, right? Pandora. Yeah. yeah so and, and, and it saves at checkpoints as well, I think. No, it doesn't. Not if you switch off the game. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah. but, it does I, if you go, but it does if you go to the Pandora. 
So it only so if if so it saves a checkpoint. So if you die mid mission, yeah. you will restart from the last checkpoint. Fine, but I got burned on a particularly difficult mission, Leon. You know the one I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about. Oh, one, that one. Yeah. Right. Was that your last experience of the game then? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I would have gone back to it. <laughs> yeah. So so I did that a particular devious mission and yes. then thinking that it would just resume me from there next time I boosted it up, I switched the console off. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I was on the Pandora right at the start of that section. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. But no, it, so I, I just had a very innocuous finished the session, got to the end of a mission, got back to the Pandora, switched it off like I'd done, you know, seven or eight times before. Find it back up the next evening, and it booted me straight into I, that. Open I think you've got the uh, the new game syndrome of oh, that's how games work back then. When were you were playing really on done. original hardware, Chris? No, no, I was playing the Series X. Yeah. Oh my goodness! No, you you are correct because I did not in that mission, but I did roughly the same thing. I I kind of like oh, I've gone through a major section that should be fine. Yeah. I switched it off for the night. Came back, was not fine. Had to do the, the whole the save only again. doesn't it all just save to the cloud anyway with backwards compatibility? No, but it still has to have a save point. So it's you are right as well, Leon. Where if you go back to right. Pandora, it saves. Right. But it's it also does a mid checkpoint save, which is valid if yeah. you die and come back into that area. But if mm. you turn off the game, it's an invalid checkpoint save. So oh, it just I goes see. back to the yeah. start of that main mission. Yeah, if that makes sense. sense. So, and yeah. Leon, on your point about cloud saving, so at this point I was on holiday and didn't have an internet connection, so I was playing entirely oh, locally. No, 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 so no. I didn't have any cloud. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. So I was totally oh. so so. And to be honest, I got so far through the game, and and for reasons that I'll probably you know, expand upon as we go. I just mm. really I couldn't face kind of going through the whole thing again. So mm. I asked very kindly and said, "Pretty, pretty, please, man, still be on the panel." And you kindly <laughs> said, "Yes." Yeah, I um, think you've done like I guess it's like an on average a, a eight or nine hour game, and you've probably done about seven hours so. for sure. Yeah, ninety I mean, eight with, with the way 90%. this with the way this game tells its story, I'm sure you couldn't foresee how it ended. <laughs> um. the, the end cutscene is really brief as well. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've watched it. I've watched the end. Yeah. I'm not sure it would have been worth the kind of nine hours to go through it again just to yeah. see that last cutscene. Doing the final boss was a was a thing though, so you have <laughs> missed out on that, but. <laughs> Whether you missed out on a good thing or a bad thing, we'll we'll tell you later. But in in terms, very quickly, in terms of my history, so yeah. not not a lot at all. So I, if you'd have if you'd have tracked me down in the mid nineties, although I've always been an all systems gamer right from the very start, if you'd have tracked me down in the late nineties, I would have definitely said that predominantly I was a PC gamer. So and and I've always had a very a strange relationship with flight sims going right back to the Amiga days and the likes of FAA and Interceptor mm. in that I've always loved the way they look and I've always wanted to really like them, but I just haven't. So I was aware of Crimson Skies. It was kind of around in the press in the late 90s, in the PC gaming press, but I never got round to playing it. But I have to say, High Road to Revenge had completely passed me by. Right. I knew nothing of this game until I was looking down the long list and saw it, looked it up and thought, oh, well, what do you know? I didn't ever know there was a sequel. So when this came out, 2003, that was my... I've only had one period in my life where I've not really played video games. And that was when I was in university, 2001, 2004. What a good so lad. I, That's why you've got a good job. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just drop it in. Uh, and I got my Xbox 
so do I, and, and really it was the xbox that got me back into gaming because a mate of mine you said you you like you used to like rpgs you really need to play fable so i bought an xbox to play fable and never ended up playing fable i was completely <laughs> sidetracked by halo and other things crimson skies completely and totally passed me by and the beauty of doing these podcasts one is that you get to experience games that you've played many times and love and you get to chat about like-minded people about it but the other aspect the other great thing about doing this show and shows like this is that you get to talk about games that really you would never otherwise would have played yeah. and uh despite the fact that i didn't finish it i'm really glad i did spend some time with it and uh yeah looking forward to getting into it cool nice one tony you were an xbox guy I, I I was, I am. Well, am, am and was. <laughs> uh, but you were an early adopter, right? So this would have been on your radar as a, a well-reviewed new release, presumably. It's funny, actually, when Brian said, oh, you know, he brought this along with his Xbox. And I kind of had a similar story. I'm sure this came out at launch. And clearly it didn't come out at launch no. because it was a couple of years thereafter, what, 18 months thereafter from launch. Yep. But if you, if you told me to say, when did... Um, Crimson Sky come out I would have said oh it's mm. a launch game which just mm. shows you how weird history can be in one's head but I, I think maybe that was just because maybe the the original Xbox wasn't particularly around for that many years so no, um, you know it's prematurely quite a, slaughtered yeah it's quite a, a short time period for the console so maybe it just all amalgamates into one because the, the machine wasn't around for particularly a long time so but what I do know is that Crimson Sky was one of those ones that would make it onto the you know the the top 10 lists of games you should play on this console or most anticipated. It was a, uh, it was a game that was anticipated at the time, um, be it through its looks or just looking, you know, interesting. And it was, it was being waited for and, and I waited for it and I did pick it up at the time and I did play it through. And I do actually remember seeing pretty much most of the game. So yeah. it was also a game that I did see through to the very end as well. Cause I do remember the final bossing. So, <laughs> so uh, which isn't always the case. Sometimes, you know, we've done games in a show where we picked them up and said, no, I definitely completed it, and then have no recollection of the end, <laughs> end bosses and going, yeah. maybe actually I didn't get as far as I thought it. Mm-hmm. But no, in this scenario, this was a game I, I played, and I also remember really rating quite highly and was quite excited when um, they talked about it being on the backwards compatible program and... Yeah, it was just, oh, great. And and it just shows you as well, because that was one of the first games that they put on the whole back compat thing. It was Crimson Skies, because yeah. it's one of those kind of like, I don't know, say um, a folklore. But, you know, it's a game that has been well respected over the years or a game that yeah. at least has that kind of, oh, that was the original Xbox. And maybe because it, it feels was a- like as an early console exclusive Microsoft Studios game, they were quite proud yeah, of it. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, played it back at the time. Really enjoyed it back then and been back through for the show on the Series X hardware in a very crisp. <laughs> it definitely did not look as crisp as it does on the uh, modern no. day hardware, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, played it played it through. But that's not the only time. So I would say just to kind of pre-emphasis, I tried playing this back when it originally came out on the Xbox. Back was a compatibility program and lasted all mm. five minutes before going eh, maybe it isn't as good as I remember it and binned mm. it off. Mm. And then you put it back on the list and I was like, well, I guess we'll find out whether that's yeah. true or not. And Twisted your arm. Yeah, played through all longer, your throttle. a longer game than I remember it being. Eight to mm. ten hours. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I got a, a, my first ever gaming-worthy PC, not including 
Amigas and things like that. Uh, I I bought the original Crimson Skies at some stage. Uh, basically, I was looking around for anything that was kind of new and cool, and I quite like flight combat games. I mean, this is we're, we're covering mm. the 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 Rogue Star Wars Rogue series soon, and this game is very much in the same ballpark in terms of how it basically plays third person arcadey flight shooter. This is not a simulator in any meaningful sense. Um, and I've yeah, I've always enjoyed those sorts of games. I have played the more simish end, although obviously, unless you're playing, you know, those ludicrously high end, super complex ones, you're never really playing a true simulator. But I used to play F-15 Strike Eagle and all that sort of thing on the Amiga. Um, but I was, yeah, more comfortable and whatever with the with the PC game Crimson Skies. I don't remember how much I played it or how far I got, but I remember enjoying it. And when I got an Xbox in 2002, this came out a year later and a bit. Um, I don't actually remember picking it up. I feel like maybe I didn't buy it at full price brand new and I picked it up secondhand maybe or something. Um, And I also don't recall 20 years ago exactly how far I got. But I tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me if it was that mission that we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. later on. um, (laughs) Because it was a bit of a a choke point uh, for many of us. Uh, or no, not for Tony. Um, uh, and yeah, put it down and didn't play it again for years. It's since got added to my backwards compatibility library and was looking for an excuse to play it. So here we are, 20 years. It's on the list and this is the result. I'll let you know what I thought of it as we go on. So who's it made by? Uh, Fassa Studio, who uh, started out as a board game, uh, role sorry, role-playing games, really. A tabletop wargaming company. They made uh, Star Trek, the role-playing game, and a Doctor Who game, and Mech Warrior. Uh, yes, yeah, so then they released the, uh, the, yeah, the Crimson Skies board game uh, in 1998, which I wasn't aware of, I don't think, until now, possibly. <laughs> um, uh, but I knew it as a PC game, which came out in the year 2000, as I say, and was reviewed pretty well, 83 on Metacritic. And yeah, that's what led me to pick a copy of that up. Again, I can't remember the exact circumstances, um, but yeah, I remember it being cool and fun. And so this was, this High Road to Revenge isn't, it's, I mean, it's sort of a sequel, but it's sort of a reimagining slash reboot of the PC game. It's not really, it's not like a whole different game. It's kind of like it builds upon the PC game. What's the minor difference, what the major difference is, if any? This is way more. I would say High Road to Revenge is way more. I mean, the original Crimson Skies was definitely the arcade end of of what you would consider a flight sim, but this is mm. a lot more arcadey. Like, okay. for instance, in the original Crimson Skies, you could tinker for hours and hours yeah. with your planes and like customizing them and remodeling oh, really them. This is very much more pick up and play, get straight into the action. Some of the planes have one upgrade, which you just have to press <laughs> two buttons yeah, to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, the, um... it's streamlined and consoleized, I suppose yeah, yeah. you'd say. So yeah, uh, published by Microsoft, the game was released for the original Xbox October, late October 2003, Halloween in, in Europe, in fact. Not a particularly Halloween-y game, but there you go. The digital marketplace version for the Xbox 360 in its unenhanced form but uh, backwards compatibility uh, accurate was uh, December 2007, four years later. Then uh, it was 10 years before it was released for the Xbox One backwards compatibility plus service 
October 2017, no 60 FPS frame rate boost, which probably because it would affect the negatively affect the, the gameplay. But what it does have, as Tony mentioned, is a 16 times <laughs> pixel count resolution boost, which is, I mean, broadly a really good thing. It makes it look like a much more modern game. But there are ways in which you do think, well, this game, although it was effectively a remake of a PC game, which you could play at higher resolutions anyway. The only thing about playing an, an original Xbox game in 480p on a cathode ray tube was that it did a lot to kind of Smooth. disguise the fact, yeah, disguise <laughs> the fact that there aren't that many ground textures and things like that. So yeah. it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pros and cons things. But overall, I think I actually think this looks pretty great for for tw for a 20 year old game game at 16 times the pixel mm -hmm. count. Yeah. Uh, and it was released as a uh, an Xbox Game Pass game. Uh, or was it Games with Gold? One of, one of the two. I think, I think it was Game Pass. July 27th, 2021. And I think it's still on the service, and it probably it will be forever, right? Yeah, yes, that's so, where yeah. I played it. Yeah. Yeah, there me too. Go. Very good. Uh, it scored really well, uh, outdid its uh, PC forerunner with a Metacritic score of 88. Won a couple of awards, uh, won the uh, Game of the Year. Uh, sorry, Console Action Adventure Game of the That's Year. That's a very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of Console Action Adventure games. Uh, that was at the 7th Annual Interactive Achievement Awards. And it also won GameSpy's Xbox Breakout Game of the Year 2003. I assume that's just for... Breakout Game of the <laughs> Year. <laughs> it not, it's not a game where you uh, slowly break a wall down by bouncing... <laughs> A square at 45 degree angles. It's, uh, I say, I know it's not only 45 degree angles. Um, I assume it means like a new IP or at least a new IP to consoles or so, or it was a surprise or it's a bit of a vague term, but anyway. Action uh, adventure game. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like action. It really? You're adventure. I would say so. Yeah, I would adventure? say so. I mean, it, it's not an adventure as in typing in go north and pull lever and stuff like that, but. You're you're going on an adventure in a plane. Have I you mean, seen it, Nathan Zachary's leather jacket? He's on an adventure. Yeah, he is. He is adventuring in. The, it's as in much of an adventure as anything with it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an Indiana Jones kind of scenario. It just so happens. I mean, I get what you're saying, Chris. Like, if there was a if there was a, a, a category for flight game or shoot 'em up, maybe it'd be more appropriate in that category. Are you going more corridor, to cor <laughs> corridor shooter dressed as a flight sim? Well, that's not fair because it is open. The arenas are open, aren't they? You can yeah. fly around. Yeah, um, it has all the has all the set dressing of an action adventure game. You know, yeah. I, I would I would make it. I would actually put this like way more akin to a Star Fox type of game. Absolutely, I mean, except for the fail yeah, that yeah. the levers the levels, excuse me, aren't aren't all on rails. Um, no. But yeah, no, it definitely has that feel like, like it, even in those Star Fox games, like you get the feeling that, you know, when they go back to the ship, they're all hanging out and going and do stuff. But you don't get to actually do that. You just see, no. you know, from mission start to mission end. And then of, then Pretty they're all enough. going and doing their gambling and whatever else they're doing. On the bit where you stand by a map. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, user reviews. Uh, obviously, these are probably going back a bit. I'm not sure too many have been added in, in recent times, but uh, Metacritic. Folks give it a 8.9 out of 10, outscoring even the reviewers, uh, although that is only from 60 folks who have registered a score. Sales-wise, I assume this relates only to uh, physical copies, and it may even not be accurate. VG Charts has it at 870,000 units. Anyway, 
We've got uh, Revamped V2 from our forum, who says Crimson Skies was one of the first games my family had on the original Xbox. Seeing that I was about seven when this game was released, I thoroughly enjoyed the ease I had battling it out in my bulldog against Mm. different factions through the several locations you visit. I fondly remember myself being an ace pilot and even thinking foolishly, ha, I can take on my big brother and his friends in multiplayer. Little did I know that this was very similar to my experiences with them on Halo. Regardless of the outcome, I have nothing but great things to say about Crimson Skies. The variation in planes and the fact that each has something special to bring is impressive. Sure, graphics aren't great by today's standards, but it felt like the developer focused on the things that we'd notice, planes and water. The effect the water had when you fly low was something that still gives me a, eh, that's pretty good feeling. Overall, I think Crimson Skies did what they set out to do, create an arcade flyer with some memorable features and a decent campaign. I've just recently finished a playthrough, and I have to say, I still think of it as fondly as I did as a child. So yeah, we've touched upon it, but let's get a bit more into the scenario, the story, the characters, the cast, the script, and the performances. Uh, This game has, uh, yeah, relatively high-end cutscenes for the time, pre-rendered cinematics by Blur Studio, the mighty Blur Studio. Let's uh, have Andrew Elmore from our forum kick us off. There's something interesting about distinctly Western flight combat games as compared to something like Ace Combat. Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge feels more akin to something like Factor Five Star Wars Rogue Squadron games, at least in structure, or indeed Lair. Or Snoopy versus the Red Baron, for that matter. It's a different version of the ace pilot fantasy, opting for an almost Silver Age comics aesthetic. What if you replaced the titular character of Porco Rosso with a swashbuckling Nathan Drake type? What if Casablanca had a weird sort of diesel punk adjacent spin-off video game with fantastical aircraft and sky pirates? What if the floating dirigible really is the air travel of the future past? What if planes had brightly glowing health pickups? These are some of the oldest questions mankind has been asking since the dawn of recorded history, and only FASA Studio was brave enough to posit an answer to all of them at once. We'll offer a a spoiler warning, but I I don't, again, I know I often say this, I don't really feel it's necessary, (laughs) but maybe you do, in which case this is for you. The official blurb goes, three years after the original Crimson Skies, FASA Studio brings the game to the Xbox in an adapted version, brackets, not a port. Set in an alternate 1930s world of gunship diplomacy and sinister intrigue, Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge lets gamers pilot aircraft against nefarious air pirates and behemoth war zeppelins. You take the role of the daring air pilot, Nathan, pirate, or pilot, both, Nathan Zachary, leader of the infamous Fortune Hunters, high-flying adventure single-player campaign is filled with escapes defense slash escort missions and dogfights you can take on friends over xbox live as well well you could uh i like the fact that they think escort missions is a selling point um (laughs) (laughs) so what do we think uh did we enjoy all this stuff brian so yeah i I think it was kind of a product of the times too like i mean this is really close to in my memory at least like this kind of diesel punk, I think, as they described it above, or, or that you know, future past. Say, describe mm. it how you like. Um, uh, motif was was kind of getting back in vogue um, a little bit pop culture wise. Like, I think this was really close to the release of Sky Captain World of Tomorrow. If I'm not sure if you guys remember that movie, very oh, yes. it was very <laughs> similar by like 
like like a modern takes on these red baronish type stories and stuff mm-hmm. um and i remember at the time it, it really worked for me i thought it was really cool like we hadn't seen a lot of games yet in this vein of kind of playing with historical fiction and, and alternate realities and at least in in a way that could be rendered this in big air quotes realistically you know so um you know hopping in this plane and flying out of the zeppelin and just like treating air travel as if like it was you know everybody like everybody was it's almost as if like the need for speed car culture (laughs) that like everybody is tuning their race car at all times you know but put that in the skies and kind of put this hit you know this faux historical setting around it i i was really into it i've always kind of been into those types of stories and then you slap a, a a decent you know uh ancient relic historical narrative in this case you know um you know uh nazi stand-ins using a weather machine like i i i'm pretty down for to, for yeah. that popcorn movie no no matter when it hits so so yeah pretty pretty into it um uh going back to it now is a little a little more difficult to swallow i will say um mm-hmm. it 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 turns out that that games from sometimes games from 2000 three really feel like games from 2003 still yeah and um i don't think that necessarily has a lot to do with the story and the, and the setup for it but um we'll get into that a little bit more later but as but as far like i was the minute you you see that first opening cutscene and, and like kind of those boxy ways the characters move and all of a sudden you're in the cockpit of the plane you're flying and you're shooting stuff and that music hits i mean it's hard not to have a little fun in that moment you know mm. chris did you enjoy uh zachary's adventures I did. There's a but. I did enjoy it. But but what what I really appreciate is just how much effort they've gone into to build this universe. So le- leaving aside this particular tale they've told here and the tale they told in the original, like the the wealth of of story that sits behind these games is incredible. Like they alongside the board game in 1998, and you can you can find the website as part of the Wayback Machine if you if you if you look for it. Nice. Like there there were novellas, there were character profiles, there was pages and pages of backstory into this world. And I'm a sucker for an alternative history fiction. Yeah, I, me too. Even though some of them are terrible, <laughs> I, I I really enjoy the idea of alternative fiction. I think it's a vast well to draw from obviously it's infinite but the, these guys clearly are storytellers like jordan is it weisman or wiseman who who created the crimson skies ip mm. like he he if you look at his background he's clearly a storyteller there is so much that they've created and he's even even today like there was an interview with Ret- in retro game maybe last year year before mm. where he was saying how much he would love to do a crpg set in in the crimson skies world like yeah. that that's what they want to do they want to tell a story i'm just not sure i would, i'm not sure how much i enjoyed the story about nathan zachary i mm. think if you look at the, the the world and the stuff the lore they've created for this I think they could have told so many more interesting stories. Right. Instead, they've kind of gone for this pulpy, you know, someone, yeah. I think one of the correspondents later is going to mention a mat- like matinee. It is that like Sunday matinee, yeah, or, 1950s. Or even earlier, the 30s chapter plays that inspired yeah, you, you uh, know? Uh, indie, you know, the... the- I- it it just feels so disposable. And I so I finished my non-playthrough, my, my play three quarters through, three four weeks ago i probably couldn't tell you a lot 
about the particulars of the story, like, and that that is pretty damning when they just clearly care so much about the story and the characters they've created. I just wish that they told a better one in this game. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just so everything about this game, narratively, is so nondescript and and so filler, in my opinion, to the point where like you can you can kind of pick your stand-ins for each group like like when they when they you know they describe low banditos like you can kind of picture mm-hmm. who they're going to be per- portraying when they picture you know the the head of the chicago mob like you know there's all these things that kind of kind of happen and you can kind of you can kind of draw your conclusion before anything happens in the game and that i think this it's juxtaposed against what chris said that there's clearly a universe here with lots of stories to tell lots of stuff going on there's like a and even down to just some like the I would just been more interested in getting to know some of the other uh, characters that were on the Pandora with me, kind of the, like how did this organization yeah, yeah, come yeah. together, you know, and, and all these things like there's a lot to yeah. draw from and a lot a lot of things to focus on. And and I think they instead went for the tale that's been told so many times, just reskinned in a different way, which is fine. You know, you want you're going to be focusing on the combat and all these other things. But um, but yeah, it just it makes it so naturally forgettable because it's something that we've all experienced. If you're if you engage in pop culture, probably you know half dozen times over, or if not more, by this point. I really was expecting a little scene at the very end with all the characters that you've met along the way and all the alliances you've formed against people that were at one point enemies and things like this. Everyone, <laughs> at least in a bar or in the Pandora or something, just at least you know a few lines and a chuckle. But no, uh, the enemy, the bad guy, the main big bad gets blown up and then you fly off into the sunset and click credits roll. That's it. That's nothing. Yep. Um, so, so in its, de- Tony, well, it is in its defense a little bit is this is a game from 2003. Um, you know, I think we are, yes, we've had this conversation so many times in the show. There is amazing stories in games spanning back, you know, 30, 40 years. So that's not to say that this couldn't have an amazing story, but I, I do think of, what this was trying to do and it was funny to hear chris talk about like this this kind of backstory being there in you know some the comics or whatever it may have been behind the scenes because here is exactly what i probably expected it to be i mean the the opening cinematic trailer released a splash screen that grant you know, when you uh, fire up the game and you see nathan with his you know his his trousers around his ankles and clearly being stood <laughs> yeah. which is a scene from later on the game but like it it sets up its tone um but then again i also that stuff is like in the one of the towards the back end of the game you you're in one of the major cities and you're doing these weird little side quests for people in these cities um mm-hmm. even if it's just like you know we've got to take down this cartel here because they're disrupting shipments to this that this which is like probably more than i would have expected to to be here because it feels like it is a game primarily about just flying around and shooting things and once again the story you know i'm surprised there's any story here because it feels like it could have just been a set of missions that interlink that stuff but to chris's point like what is here just isn't isn't I don't know, by by 2003 standards, by 2023 standards, yes, it's very schlocky. It's it's not great. Yeah. And But I mean, it would still, I think there are aspects of it which it would, it, it, even if it were made today, like if you were trying to pastiche yeah. 1930s or 1950s 
American pulp adventures, there were there are elements of it which wouldn't be oh, any it gets, different. It because, gets that right. It gets the tone mm. right. It gets the look of that right as well. So, um, and I think for uh, I mean, it had cutscenes of of pretty high quality, expensive pre, ones. Yeah, pre, I mean, today the time. it's quite actually quite funny if you're playing this on the Series X or whatever the new Series consoles, and you got the game with this you know plus sixteen, yeah, yeah. and then it goes to the cutscenes, which is still rendered in that kind of real grey no vision, terrible yeah. bit rate, and it's mm-hmm. like it rips you out of the game because it's like we should wow. say the whole thing is um, the game remains four uh, three aspect ratio as well. Yeah. This is uh, pre. Yeah. Well, I mean, it isn't because there were some widescreen games around, but uh, but this game isn't one of them. But it's it's fair to say there's some awkward moments in the story um, in 2023. Uh, the Navajo Indians. Mm, uh, yes, the, apparently yes. the the only Native Americans were the Navajo, according <laughs> to this game. Uh, they've now ended up in a tiny little plot of land, which I mean, again, you know, you can you could be generous and sort of say that actually maybe this is kind of knowing satire. But um, I mean, I was mainly just amused by the idea that uh, this as portrayed sort of, you know, the classic uh, ancient noble, um, they set up they set up this trial by plane um, <laughs> at some point. Right. This is this is how they decide uh, who's who's worthy is um, by a series of uh, aerial tricks. So if people are trying to imagine what this game may look like without seeing it, like if, if you think of the characters, if there's a professor you meet as one of like a, a kind of a, the scientist and he's got white hair and a, you know, a, he's Einstein a, based mis- yeah. a beard, yeah, a moustache. Yeah, dark. Yeah, dark. And, um, but to its credit, you get introduced to him and there's a scene where eventually in, in the story he, he dies because, you know, yeah. the bad guys kill him. It wasn't even a fake out. Yeah, yeah, kill him to take the, and hence I, the revenge of the, of the title. I wouldn't I mean, even really be is. lying though that I was like, Oh, I kind of like that guy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but and and that's doing very little. Like, it's a absolutely stereotypical version of any kind of ma- mad scientist. But th- then again, the bad guy, like, he's interchangeable to any other crazy madman, uh, and and to the point where, yeah, I played this a month ago, and I'm like, I don't really remember. Like, I I remember the how the game ended gameplay wise, but I don't really remember the the reasons why the minutia of why we were doing what we were doing. And there's some we... absolutely ridiculous scenes, like when he goes to confront the gangster guy, and and he <laughs> yeah. and he takes his friend with him. I mean, it's just the most idiotic plan. They jump out um, the window, don't they? He jumps out <laughs> the window, know, yeah. leaving her caught. Yeah, leaving her I mean, in the lurch, yes. He absolutely <laughs> should have been shot. Um, they end up friends with this guy, or allies at least. Um, but again, that said, I've been watching stuff from, uh, you know, screenplays, TV and movies, even from 30 years ago recently, which have similarly idiotic yeah. scenarios. So, And certainly if you go back further, there's there's even more implausible and kind of ludicrous scenario set up so it, again it it's absurd but it it does kind of fit and yeah i think i know uh, brian you mentioned the the problematic elements yeah. on 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 our slack channel as we were discussing it and yeah i'm sort of torn because part of me thinks yeah they they th- that that should be handled differently and would be now but also if you are satirizing the cult the 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 western culture that wrote these problematic stories do you do you just ignore that or do you so, do it a different way that's a really good question that I, I don't think i'm i'm equipped to answer you know uh, effectively other than the fact that I, I think 
that it, it's funny to me that with all the things that we've been talking about that like the thing that I find m- the least believable of this universe is how the human beings speak to one another. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. like I could, I could, I can suspend disbelief for everything else. That's so true it, of old movies. Oftentimes. Very isn't true. It? Yes. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, so whether that's satire or not, you know, I can't, I can't really comment mm. not knowing their intention, but there is something like that. Like when they're going to the land of the Navajo and I'm like, please don't have him like <laughs> speak to an elder about that. And who does he speak to immediately? The elder. I'm like, oh, yeah. please don't speak in that it was voice. He speaks in yeah. the voice. And like, are, are, am I going to have to do the trials of your people? Like all that stuff. <laughs> like I was just like every one of those boxes is just checking the stereotype box. I'm like, man, I thought we were past this. But then I realized like. We're still Stephen King that. was still doing that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's a progressive liberal guy sure. in almost yeah. every respect, but he was brought up in white America in in the, what, 50s or whatever? Yeah. Six, and, of yeah. course, he's got all those, same as George Lucas, like all yep. those ingrained built-in attitudes that have, uh, you know, terribly patronizing <laughs> towards people who aren't uh, WASP or whatever. Right, yeah. And, you know, so it, it's it's hard to... It's hard to like point point the finger, you know, twenty years later and be like, this should have been. There's there's a, a million things that were should have been different twenty years later. There's a million things that should be different right now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things. Like that one, that particular series of events just hit the stereotype nail so on the head for me to the point where I was like, yeah, oh yeah. my god, come on. And, and yeah, the interesting thing though is that uh, you know I was I was not nearly a, a, a mentally developed adult, but I was a, I was an adult <laughs> by law when I played the game, um, and I don't. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff when I played it originally, no. you know, like it all washed over me. Like yeah. it was just the normal stuff. So maybe that's a good sign in general. You partly know, you've but... changed, partly society's changed. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything here that we should, I don't think any of us would like argue for this game being ripped from the digital marketplace. I don't think it's no, quite no. that egregious or, or problematic. No, I just, it's um, a testament it's of the time. Almost warrant, that's all. It could almost, it all, yes, but it perhaps almost warrants a, a, a the attitudes of this developers of this game were were wrong then and they're wrong now. But it does get complex with the layers of yeah, this is not entirely straightforward because it is a sort of uh, a pastiche of even further ago things. Um, but yeah, um, it's got, I wonder, I wonder, Leon, whether actually you're giving the writers writers of the game too much credit. Maybe yeah, so. you, you know, because I think. I think whether or not you can give it a pass for for, for this problematic elements you know, is down da- is down to your own individual absolutely uh, individual view Always, on these yeah. things. But yeah. I think one thing that I I can't give it a pass on is just how badly it draws from the well of possibilities that it could have drew from. You know, right. they yeah. they had this opportunity to create something really interesting. Instead, we we just didn't get that. What do we think of Nathan Zachary as a character? I mean, that that's another. I still, uh, I still think you're asking too much of a 2003 flight arcade flight game. I just would it have been better without any story at all, Tony? No, because I don't. No, that I don't believe because then it's just it's a, more it's like loose dressing yeah, rather. It's than literally a, yeah. a checkbox. I mean, what they're going for is kind of a pastiche of Indiana Jones, isn't it? It's that kind of, and I don't think it's anywhere near as as close as that but even indiana jones at the time you're like man you go well, back that was to watch that was like already that. a pastiche of things from yeah. 50 years earlier so but um yeah. yeah i just i i don't know i just find it hard to to really think well, okay tribute. they they failed in in this because i just don't think that it's primary core design i think it's primary core design was to be a, an arcade flight game and they they stuck this story it doesn't necessarily make an excuse but i just 
it feels harsh to go back now and go, well, I think, they should have done. I think you so made a better. you made a good point there in that. Um, it, I think it is difficult to wrap a really uh, compelling and meaningful story around a game with really the only mechanics are fly and shoot. Like there's, there's, I mean, I don't know, even thinking about, and this is going to be a contemporary reference that will date this podcast, but playing Starfield now, you've got the flying and the shooting and the RPG elements and the walking around and the meeting people and the interpersonal stuff and the character development, all that. This is really, you get in a plane and you shoot things. Well, to Um, to be fair to it, in in more recent times, now I haven't played a huge amount of these, but I, you know, some of the Ace Combat games have dealt very heavily in that kind of, the story and literature around True. you're doing that. But, you know, we're talking... You can ex- have longer sequences of... Because, of, like, this game's pretty snappy, right? So the, the individual uh, segment, scenes scenes of dialogue while, while you're in a plane are deliberately kept very brief, whereas I think maybe some of the Eastern-developed games like Ace Combat, and I'm not an expert yeah. on this series, no. will think nothing of having lengthy, extended yeah. exchanges of dialogue. So it does give them a slightly different yeah, thing. And also, yeah, the whole point of the chapter plays that it's aping is that they're just meant to be to get the characters from one exciting adventure scene to the next. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be uh, some deep, complex uh, study of the human yeah, condition. I'm, I'm not saying like it that. can't be done. I'm not even saying it hasn't been done. I just don't think in 2003, yeah. in a arcade flight shooter type game, that it was, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, any, I'm that I think surprised I'm it, wasn't you, really. achieve, it wasn't achieved, it wasn't a priority. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And But as I say, I think that, yes, with the fact that there there isn't um, much you can do beyond having those kind of cockpit-to-cockpit conversations and the fact that it is set around the idea of these pulpy chapter plays or matinee serials and- or whatever... The one thing I, I just would like to add that is that just because it wasn't a priority doesn't mean that it's also not potentially problematic. Well, to certain so, so here's how yeah, I oh, end. Sure. Here's how I end yeah. that conversation is: I would love to say, well, it was inoffensive enough, but by 2023 standards, it's not inoffensive enough. It has some issues that both sexuality right. um, and you know, obviously culture issues so yeah it absolutely has those things i'm just not surprised in 2003 what was presented right. in the yeah. screen so oh no know. yeah no i wasn't saying anything yeah negative towards you i was just saying that like it's it's just it's interesting right it's like how do you how do you view things from that time period that were really not that far removed from but far removed enough to where things i mean obviously game design and game narrative i mean it's almost unrecognizable from 2003 to now you know the building blocks were there but the way things have moved on and things have evolved like it's just it's it's they there are certain things that you recognize. Yes, this is a video game. I'm playing it, but when you when you view it from that the lens of now, yeah, it, we, it's weirdly it becomes, though, I'm it not even sure very difficult. This genre of game has jumped that far. That's you know. Well, I'm not sure. This is the. I mean, other than I don't know. I played played a bit of Everspace two recently, which is a bit more in depth uh, to say the least. But I'm trying to think actual. Uh, how many of these kind of games yeah. are there around? Arcade flight combat games. I mean, it's a bit of a bit of a dead I think, genre. I think isn't it? the Ace Combat series continues, doesn't it? But other than that, I think you're yeah, in like I the mean, indie scene of these yeah, these I mean, types of games, which we probably yeah, just yeah. don't know enough about. There's al- there, there's always a game on Steam that is uh, <laughs> like a fantastic tribute by some indie studio to a game that you loved from twenty or thirty right. years ago. 
but doesn't necessarily uh, get a lot it, of coverage. It is actually quite sure. funny because this game does quite often come up with, you know, that, oh, what what should they go back into the back catalogue? What should Microsoft go back? And Crimson Sky yeah. occasionally comes up and you're thinking, oh, yeah. Presumably they still have the IP. But then again, you go like, like okay, well, there's a, probably a reason these games don't exist. Like, do they say, like, no one, do they sell? Like, I don't know. Does Ace Combat sell? Kind of. That's really very, very yeah. different. It does okay for them. Yeah, but Flight yes, Simulator I, sells, I but completely different game. It is a bit of a it it does it does hail from a time when those slightly off center not niche exactly but yeah. not mainstream genres could do well enough for studios yeah. to invest in them sure. whereas now the investment the pressures are massive so huge yeah. um but actually uh, you know this segues us into the conversation about the visuals so again caveat playing on series x with resolution boost <laughs> but overall i thought this game still looks overall pretty cool and effective and you know i could see what it was uh, it was rarely unclear it was, wasn't glitchy it was smooth at 30 fps uh, and all that kind of stuff but i was thinking actually i was having some you know there were some moments where i was doing loop the loops and the lightning was flashing and planes were all around me and you could see the ground and the sky and all these big enemies and i was thinking this game actually looked pretty great but yeah. how much like if if they just remade it with 2023 series x graphics it could look absolutely yeah. stunning like <laughs> phenomenal and i i would absolutely uh welcome the return of of this kind of game mm, yeah because um, it's a genre i enjoy there's that the moments i i remember from from back then and then again now like that first speed boost you hit and that like kind of that heat ring comes around your engines and, mm. and you zoom forward and mm -hmm. The first time you you get you're involved in a pretty close dogfight, you hit those brakes or hit one of the you know the the special moves to Trick do a maneuvers. quick turnaround or, yeah. or or barrel roll, whatever it is. Like the the flight in motion in this game still looks yeah. great, and it, and it looked great on original hardware too. I I yeah. I don't think that the I mean I know that the the Series X boost has has done a lot for it. However, like this game this game was very smooth to play, felt very good at the time, and I think that's completely I mean, agree. Like one of the reasons this game was reviewed so well is that it's just like what you you hit the hit the go button, you come out of the Pandora and you're flying like it, it's it's very instinctive in mm -hmm. your hands. The controls are so tight and responsive and and they respond the way you want them to, to respond, which is to say in an arcade flight sim game, you don't want them to be realistic when you press up or down you want the plane to go up or down immediately you know you don't you want the, to feel like you're in complete control and I think that it absolutely does that and it remains to this day it's it's just you hop in a plane and fly around in this game. It's it's a lot of fun. Anything else on the sort of the visual presentation? Just the the, the art design and the, the the look of the 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 land and the planes and all that sort of thing, Chris, Tony. So so I think from a visual design, it, it achieves two very 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 good things, which is the world isn't too big. So unlike when I think something like the Ace Combat games, where it's just like go up in the, in the sky, fly like what seems like an indefinite amount of times, find your one target track them down she'd like it there's a there's a lot of space in between here it is as arcade as it can be but it's also not too arcade and, that, and that's like it it's not full of one-ups and well okay you can get credits and stuff but it's you know it's not full of like points and things that are flying off and you know you're, you're doing combos it's it feels like it's a little bit more at least grounded into the environment even though the the actual flying aspects is very arcadey um yeah, but it's true. like the the plane is. This is going to sound so weird, but I'm going to go for it. The plane feels like the right size for the environment, and mm. by that I mean you could be going through a canyon, 
and the canyon feels fairly large and vast, but not so vast that you're you could you've got that much maneuver maneuverability. Yeah. You can do it. ridiculously yeah. slow tight um, turns in this game, yeah. and by design that is yeah. because sure, yeah. it's just incredibly frustrating in these kind of games to just be careening. To I mean, it does it does happen in this. There were a few times, especially during the the tighter. Uh, mazy sections but yeah you can get away with a lot in this game especially once you've got one of the planes that's got a reasonable armor grading but it but it sells it so well because you could be flying over these canyons and you equally you could just take planes shoot planes down from the sky but there's that part of you that almost has the indiana jones theme tune that that kicks in and you're like i'm not just going to shoot from up here i am going to go down into these canyons because they feel like a fun area to be yeah but Mm. rather than like oh god i'm going to have to go down there but the game, the way, it, yeah. the visually, it, it tells that, like, you know, yeah, you've got the odd city here and there, but it's never overly too crowded. The, the the visual, like, you need to go here, here's a repair point, it's just here, you know exactly where it is, because it's not too far away, but it's might be far enough away that you might die if you don't get there in time. Um, yep. You know, the zeppelins in the sky are, are really well you know, visualised that they're easy enough to, to see and get to, but equally not so daunting, like, oh my god, I'm never going to be able to take it down. So, um, and even... When you're dogfighting, there's it's it does a very good job of um, showing you the enemies and highlighting them with you know a, a red square around them. It's never too confusing where you need to go. Um, there is certain missions, of course, where that that it it fails a little bit in some of those those choices. But I think you know, be it the planes are really distinct from the different ones you you fly from a visual point of view. They look very very different, um, but they they're a big pop of color. And I would say probably a negative of and it may just be down to what the hardware was achieving at the time. There's a lot of brown. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. cliffs. There's a lot of greys, mountains. Yeah, there mm. there isn't a huge amount of colour, but the colour they do have, they tend to to put on the actual aircraft themselves to make them jump from the environment so you can see them quite clearly. I do like the change of location for that reason. I think that if you the entire game took place in the you know the the southwestern desert it would be way too samey but like even just the you know going from the brown of the desert canyon to the gray of the chicago (laughs) skyline like Mm -hmm. like it's enough of a change it's enough of a difference to to make you feel and then and then honestly the the last section the um the before you get to that lost city like having the greenery there and the mountains and kind of the rooms like it it gave you enough to you know to recognize you're in a different place but give you a few different things to look at Mm -hmm. i thought i thought the game still you know looked looked really well and like you said tony and and that was one of the things that was probably one of the most um the things that were most friendly to the player in this game is that it is very easy not just with the mini map but to see to recognize the difference between enemies and friendlies on your screen the the ability to target and then when you actually destroy that target the the visuals of those planes blowing up the zeppelins kind of doing that cracking in half animation and falling Mm -hmm. like that stuff still felt really good when you finally that final missile on the zeppelin and that thing busts apart and all the flame damage and stuff like it looks 20 years old but it still it felt good to do and it it, looked good when it looks 20 years old in the way that you're thinking god i bet that looked good 20 years ago yeah exactly (laughs) yeah there's an element to it it's It's, just like yeah no visually i can see that you know I, i remember looking this looking like a good looking game and yeah, it's a shame that I'm not playing it on the original hardware. And in fact, I do own the original hardware and a copy of Crimson Skies. Um, but it's just, you know, it, you, you've got your save, convenience. the convenience to save. It looks so good. And I should have probably gone back. But, you know, I just enjoyed seeing how well presented. And the fact that you can really up this game. And yeah, there's a few seams that clearly uh, probably wouldn't have been there. But um, it's, yeah, it still has a really, really decent look to it. 
um, which isn't always the case from going back to you know twenty year old Harper. I really appreciate some of the little visual flourishes. Like one of our correspondents said earlier, getting getting close to the water produces this mm-hmm. splash effect mm-hmm. on the camera, which is dead cheesy and loads of games do it, <laughs> but it, it it's just never not cool to me. Like when that happens, and again. The twenty-year-old game, like that, felt pretty good. Yeah, things like Brian mentioned earlier, with when you speed up, you get that, you know, the yeah. red ring to show because the game can't move quickly. In order for this to be playable, it has to be moving pretty slowly. Yeah. So they have to give you a sense of speed, otherwise, and like the little bits as you when when you hit the boost button, the little bits flying pa- past your plane, it just kind of gives you that sense of speed. Yeah, you can... But like no. when you shoot things. In order for it to feel good, it needs to look good and sound good. And the explosions are really impressive, like what Brian said with the Zeppelins. But even just when you're dogfighting other planes and you land a hit and you see their smoke trails billowing out and you're following them and then you get that final hit and they explode, like it just feels good. And that all just adds to the playability, but it's all from the visual flourishes. And there's also a lot going on as well. So, yeah. you know, there, there could just be one or two planes you're chasing around. Some of these dogfights, there could be, what I mean, I haven't counted, but it feels like there's 20 or so planes flying around at any one time on the screen. And there's a lot of yeah. a lot of interactively. I don't think it's that many. It's probably but not. It's, but it's, it feels it, they, though. They, yeah. They include, it if you include, if, yeah, if you include the, because the, you've got these odd sort of um, NPC planes just flying around. Plus, you've always or nearly always got a, a sort of uh, AI partner. But you might have um, a zeppelin reckon, also fly, you know, yeah. doing a distance, you know, shooting you yeah. from a distance. So that, it's in that ballpark, I think. Yeah. So there's a fair, fair bit going on, and it uh, how they actually sell the speed as well, and that's definitely another visual thing. Is when you do your turn, you kind of got that I don't know what you call it, like the white wisp that comes from the edge of the plane as you as yeah. you do. Like that's a really great way of selling it. <laughs> I think like oh look, vapor trail, the vapor trail, there, the vapor trail that comes off the the side of the plane. Um, so yeah, that, I just think you know, I think in you know. I know the Xbox was a was a actually relatively powerful piece of tech for for the time. Getting yeah. maybe a little bit longer in the tooth by the time this game would come out, but it feels quite optimized for the hardware it's on. Yeah, yeah it's about the this was I guess the same point in its life as we are now with the PS5 and Series X, which is that at this point in the life the the console is always like the level of a mid range PC. Yeah. Um, well, the, the original Xbox had five years before it was <laughs> retired, so. Yeah. yeah, this is yeah only a couple of years for the whole. Thing well, went. yes, as we say, prematurely mm. uh, euthanized for commercial reasons. Um, talking about the audio, yeah, definitely some of the the big booms and bangs and ratatat tats and uh, engine noises. I think do the job. I think um, again, from a more modern game, you'd expect a bit more dynamism and and a bit more kind of granularity, but. Compared to a lot of games from the era, I think the the sound kind of blends quite organically. It doesn't just feel like a set of sound effects. It sounds like a soundscape. Um, David Henry is credited as the audio lead. uh, And uh, he's worked on a whole load of stuff, uh, but quite notably uh, is audio design lead on Destiny 2 nowadays. Um, And uh, also worked on Halo Reach and... uh, uh, flight simulators uh microsoft stuff uh there's also the music <laughs> to talk about um now we have to be kind because the the composer stan lapard 
uh, was uh, fairly prolific for uh, about uh, 25 years in the industry. Um, again, working on uh, some of the Halo games and Fable and uh, Peggle. And again, the Microsoft oh, games. Oh, Peggle's like... got great music. Peggle yeah, has. is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Microsoft Golf and uh, Simulator works on Destiny 2 and Age of Empires 3 Definitive. And most recently, Toy Soldiers HD. But that will sadly be his last credit as he uh, tragically died February 2021 from a brain hemorrhage at the age of just 64. Which is uh, which is always sad to read about, but um, obviously the music in this game is designed entirely to capture the the vibes of uh, the aforementioned uh, matinee popcorn movies and that sort of thing. Which I I think it's fair to say it does, but maybe there's an issue with the way in which it's deployed in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. So that's that's. It's really hard to talk about the music in this game for me because I don't think that the compositions are bad. I think they're bombastic no. and exciting, yeah. and uh, unfortunately, there's too few of them, um, <laughs> uh, too few variety of them. Um, but and that's, clunkily you know, uh, uh, in- inaugurated, <laughs> should we say? I'll, 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 so I, 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 it's funny. I have no memory of this from the time uh, of the of playing the game <laughs> in 2003. I just remember, you know, I. It it did it wasn't a soundtrack I listened to over the years, but it, I don't no. remember it being bad or anything. But I'll never forget it's that second uh, area you're in, and you you get access to the gyrocopter, which is a whole thing in and of itself. Mm. Um, but you have to do those smuggling missions where you have to fly low under the radar. <laughs> so if you're flying low, Classic. you're under the radar. You got to mm-hmm. get this box and bring it back to me, and then I'll tell you where the titanium mine is or whatever it was. And uh, I'm like, okay, you know, so it's a nice quiet mission. It's like mission go. <laughs> It's like holy! I'm wearing. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. Holy, holy cow! It's you know I'm wearing headphones. I'm like, I'm like, like this is like, like what? This is a stealth mission, and it's just like tubas and trombones and timpani drums. Just everything you do, like everything you do. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. No matter what your activity is, you are getting an absolute hero's welcome into that. It's very rare that the deployment of a GIF. I know it's GIF, really. Um, actually, makes me laugh out loud. But yours, yours did when we were discussing this game in the run-up. You just posted a GIF of an orchestra playing wildly, and and it does feel like everything you do is punctuated by. Uh, by this and again you can sort of say well it actually kind of fits and makes sense but yeah they could have done with a few more this is what you're up to now themes um and yes perhaps a perhaps a more subtle more atmospheric one for the more stealthy missions rather than everything you do is bam, 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 and so on <laughs> and so forth yeah, and like I said, and not to not to beat you know beat the topic into the ground, but they like it. I don't think those music the selections are bad at all. I mean, they they convey that message. They get the <laughs> yeah. the bombast and the yes. You know, it's the, not the, the composer's issue in the, no, the way not in at which all. they're it's just how it's simple deployed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any thoughts on this? I, I can't really add anything to that. I, other than to say, I agree. I think there was one particular mission. Is it the one where you're flying into the cave? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and whilst there is a bit of bombast there, you know, you're in the cave and you expect it to be a little bit kind of, you know, brooding and, you know, you've just, you're supposed to be quite stealthy sneaking in there and the yeah. score is absolutely bellowing away in the background. The only other thing I would add on the sound, I, I sometimes found that the the voice, the, the the commander that would give you, there was one mission towards the end where I think you had to 
go and destroy three fuel drums or something. <laughs> and I just couldn't hear what the instruction was. Like, I knew I had to destroy right. something. Quite low bit rate, some of the some of the voice. Not the worst I've ever heard, but yeah, I think there was maybe a bit of, uh, I don't know, maybe RAM-based compromise or something there. Just It's just so common for games back in the days to have slightly indistinct um, speech. Yeah, a bit fuzzy around the edges. Well, I had to look up a guide in the end because I oh, just really? couldn't. I just couldn't hear, <laughs> you know. And it just like the mix was all, you know, and the music's blurring the mix away as well. Yes, which I think yeah. you can adjust. So, I think yeah, we were at the, the start of the era of being able to adjust voice OST and uh, and sound effects. But um, but yeah, the these things are sent to try us, I guess. <laughs> But the sounds of the guns really good, you know. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. I think guns. I agree with you, Leon. I think you know if this was twenty twenty three, you'd expect more variety, more fidelity. But but when you're playing the game and you're you know you're shooting the cannons and you, I think it all it is all just pretty satisfactory to the ears. You know, it's nice. It, it all adds to the satisfaction of playing the game. Yeah, I, I think it, from uh, an audio oh, no, from an audio design, of course, you know, the shooting, everything feels quite grounded to what you're you're doing. It doesn't feel like you know the planes don't sound like it should do the you know the turret guns don't sound like now all that stuff works. But yeah, to to Brian's point, the the music like the music in the first area is perfect. It's like okay, set scene. I get it now. Yep, this is who we are. And then it just it just seems to overlay into literally everything everywhere all the time, and to the point where then it becomes just just background noise like it doesn't add to anything it just becomes like well this is what it sounds like all the time so yeah fine just play play this and we'll do this in every single scene but yeah so i think we've already mentioned the the fundamental control of the vehicles being sharp and tight did anyone have any obviously it varies there's a lot of different vehicles to choose from as you go through the game you can kind of basically nick more and more planes from the environment or you get given a few based on what happens in the stories. Uh, you bring them all back to this uh, lovely ha- uh, tie, tie rail, whatever it is in the, in the, in the Zeppelin and you can scroll through them. And then it becomes actually about uh, sort of because of the economy of the game. So most of the planes have one upgrade available to do it for it if you manage to find every plane and upgrade all of them you'd need not only $37,800 you'd also need 116 of these tokens which are both floating right. throughout the game world and uh, and also awarded for achievements i think certainly my experience was i wanted to focus on yeah. certain vehicles and the good thing about that was is i th- think they designed it for the most part so that most planes could complete most missions even if 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 maybe there's a few where if your plane's particularly slow you're probably going to want to pick pick a faster one or if you're going through a tighter area you want a more maneuverable one or something the like that is made out of balsa wood i can tell you that well this <laughs> yeah. is it i was always in i was so happy when i realized that you didn't need to use the gyrocopter to pick up crates because i thought oh now every time i have to pick something up it's going to be into the balsa wood um highly flammable petrol soaked gyrocopter um but no you can just do it in your regular plane and i actually ended up using the the starter plane a lot mm-hmm. yeah uh, me too, throughout yeah. the game yeah. upgraded it 
but in the end um what's the the name of the one that that uh, is it the, the brigand devastator no uh, De- no brigand no. brigand yeah brigand yeah. brigand yeah um is the slowest in the you could even with an upgrade it's only got two notches of speed but actually it that's more than fine for most but, of the things you need to do in the last few missions but it has almost maximum armor and fire i'm not sure there was ever a point in the game where going, i'm going too slow i need more speed like so but it was the choice exactly, of like yeah. the one handicap you can have is to have slightly better like tighter turns because you're going slower which is like okay cool yeah but it, it can Precisely. now take a bunch of bunch of hits and it's got good firepower so like, okay that's not yeah. a handicap that seems like the perfect plan yeah um, yeah i ended up getting uh like that last open area we talked about before i was having a little trouble staying alive there so i switched over to the brigand and, and decided to put some token i i scour that area for the extra tokens i needed i forget exactly yeah. how many at 16 30 i can't remember how many it was but um um and end up doing that. And then the penultimate mission of the game is that very mazy mission through that tunnel. And I was like, wow, I'm really glad I have the slowest plane for this. Mm-hmm. You know what? It really, it really benefited me in that, yeah. in that moment, kind of turning those corners and finding, cause eventually, and this game does a wonderful thing for the player. It's kind of funny to, to look at, but like you can full on ram into a wall at a slow enough speed <laughs> and, the, and it's just going to bounce you off into a different direction. Like, Oh, nope. Took the wrong corner. Okay. I'll just bounce. It's off uncommonly the wall generous in that regard for a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I found that to be, to be wildly useful. And then for the, for the last mission as well, with all taking out all those targets on, on the final boss, it was nice to be able to just take some random electric damage and not really necessarily worry that I was going to completely run out of health. It was just going to, mm. it's kind of more like, oh, I guess I'll to... homing Tesla weapons. Yeah, exactly. I'll just have just... to go kill a couple planes until a, 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 a giant crate with a red cross comes out of it. And then I'll go right. back and do I mean, that. I mean, that's where I like the way the game's like the a team in that every pilot parachutes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where it's arcade nature is right. So it, it prioritizes fun over realism. Um, and I feel like, why have oh, yeah. these games maybe not become popular? And I, and I think it's generally, I feel like most of the games have gone down the more realistic route, you know, and there's clearly an audience for that. And maybe that's what, you know, the, the buy-in audience is, is playing, which is something like Ace Combat uh, or Flight Sim or something, whatever. That, but for me, it's funny because I, I played this when it came on Back and Pat, and I played it for about 15, 20 minutes and went, oh yeah, that's a game I played back in the day. And... Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, yeah, okay. And did literally just put it down. And it it was funny because then this this show came up and I was and that was the experience that was still logged in my mind, which was okay, I'm on the show, but like I just I only played this a couple of years ago and I'm feeling like eh, maybe it wasn't as good as I think. So I had to get over that initial hump and actually just go, No, look, I wanna see through this this first first mission. Like, you know, I I think it's quite easy when it's just a game you're just checking out and you know, it is oh, it is just what it is. Like, yeah, check it out five minutes. Oh yeah, that's Crimson Skies. I remember that. Yeah. But actually spending that time in that first mission and it's actually it is quite slow and it is quite it teaches you the mechanics and realizing Yeah. In fact, as Chris said, you can bounce or Brian said, you can bounce off walls and you can have a significant amount of kind of leeway of like okay you know i've literally just hit my propeller against a middle of a wall and it's done minimal damage um it it obviously it does have a damage system and later on the game a lot of people are shooting you and you do need to pick up health pickups it's just not you know a, a yeah. bill but actually the actual flying of it and the forgiveness and the what i still find incredibly tight controls like really really good nippy yeah. tight control like 
both sticks. My only issue with the controls is that the, as with other games of the genre, the the remembering the actual combo of trick sticks to to hold and click in for your aerial aerobatic maneuvers. The one I used most was basically just go back the way you came. Like it very rarely yeah. did I do anything twizzy. It's just yeah. like okay, I've gone past the the place I need to be, or the plane's gone past me. And in the end, to... I barely used them. You don't actually need to use yeah. them to complete the game. I was just it's... going to say, do they serve any purpose other than to make you feel like a complete and total daredevil <laughs> badass? <laughs> they mainly just yeah. look cool. They're, they're, I would I use mean... that one Tony was referring to. I would I would like intentionally fly past my target, yeah. then use that stick. Like the yes, up and yes. down to turn around quickly, so I knew mm-hmm. I would just have a straight on view of whatever I was looking yeah. at. That's really what very I, I very rarely used it to like get out of harm's way. It was more just to line up a shot yeah. or to like yeah. make sure I had the right angle going for you know whatever it was you were going. Valid use. I also only noticed late late in the game that one of the controls was on the black button, which is right bumper yeah. translated onto modern control, and that um, puts a puts an enemy in 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 camera view. Not possibly. <laughs> I mean, helpful briefly, but. Uh, weirdly once i noticed it was there my finger kept clicking on it <laughs> so i just mm. kept <laughs> causing myself all kinds of problems by having the camera lurch around wildly but, uh, but the dog fighting's fun it's it, it's what i in my in my head what dog fighting should agree. be it's it's you're relatively close to the 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 plane in front but you're also you're relatively far away like you you're they're not doing too much to get away from you they're doing just enough that it feels like you're interacting and they're trying to avoid your bullets but they're not going so far you're like oh lost them yeah. again it's like and occasionally always... they mess up and fly into a wall which is hilarious yeah. uh the only one thing i did want to explore and uh and i didn't get around to trying this out because um Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3 came out um, but so there's four difficulty settings in the game you can this this is a relatively early example of a game that enable allows you to change difficulty settings whenever you want in the middle of a game um I don't remember this being a popular option back back at this stage so I think it's quite cool that they they had the foresight to do it I played the entire game from start to finish on normal which is the second one up uh, yeah. There's an easy and then there's two harder ones. I can't remember what they're called. I was wondering if it does actually, is is there the potential to make the game more interesting in terms of the dogfights? If you up the, does it affect the AI or is it purely down to damage and damage given and taken? Because if it's just more damage given and taken, I've got no interest in that. However, if it added to the plane's craftiness, uh, then I would have actually been interested. I'm going to say it's hit points. I, I don't. I reckon it will be hit points. Yeah, I reckon Probably. things shoot at you and Probably. you lose more health. And which it's just there's that, a f- that wouldn't the, intrigue me. The only really, the, yeah, the, I mean that that was my thought, which is probably why I wasn't fully motivated <laughs> to check it out. Um, the only sort of real issue I had with the dogfight AI uh, was that they do tend to to do the thing where they just come straight towards. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be the uh, take the rare. I'm not going to fill out anybody's bingo cards today. I'm gonna to, I'm going to be the negative one, which is the rarity. But uh, cool. I I yeah, uh, I I did not. By the end of this game, I was about as sick of dogfighting as I've ever been. <laughs> sick of anything in the I can tell um, this from the way I, you were it talking. was. It was yeah. interesting though, because I I tend to like. Um, I don't want to call it repetitive because that, that's reductive, but I, I tend to like kind of simplistic combat styles in the in these types of games. I don't. Mm. I, sometimes I find the if, if it's overly challenging, like in an ace combat situ- situation, which isn't that challenging, but like I can find myself pretty easily frustrated, not being able to get the right shots or whatever. But there was something about the dogfighting in this game where 
I could never quite tell if I was close enough for missile range to like home in or not. Um, I found mm. that the following, like the kind of three levels of damage a plane would take, right? It would like start to like slightly smoke, then it would be on fire, and then you'd blow it up. Like I found that I was having trouble consistently doing the damage that I wanted to do, um, and it just it felt like whether it's mission design or or AI design, I'm not sure. Uh, probably a combination of both. Mm. It just felt in some of these missions, the, the waves of planes just never stopped coming. <laughs> and the the thing that I was look by the end of this game, the thing that I was looking forward to the most was the mission to be over. Oh, Not wow. because like to, to, to defeat the enemies. Like I just, I, I slowly but surely just came to kind of resent the length and the style of mission in this game. And I, I don't know if it's just maybe something's changed over the years with what I expect of a game or what I what I enjoy more or less. But by the end of this game, like it just like I, I was finding it hard. I, I feel like I wasn't even giving it a fair shake. Like like when the when I'd get the whoever was calling in from the Pandora, another wave of enemies coming in, Nathan, like I would like my eyes would roll out of my head. Like, <laughs> it's just like like I was doing the there same thing that, over and over again, yeah. which in some games I'm completely fine with. So it, it was yeah. hard for me to kind of. To, fo- to to focus in it like this on an intelligent point, other than other than the same, yeah, it comes down to that, whether you're enjoying the moment to moment enough. Yeah, and you you weren't. So, and I don't think, and I think a lot of it boils down to enemy variety, in which there are there is none really. I mean, not none. Yeah. There's planes, zeppelins, and ground vehicles, or excuse me, there's turrets too. Um, but like I just. No yeah. matter what I would do, there was no strategy involved for me. Maybe I missed something. But it was just point my plane at the thing and hold the trigger until it explodes. Yeah. And That's some fair. games, I'm completely fine with that. <laughs> yeah. But, but this one, I don't know. By the end of this game, I was just like, I, I was just like, and it wasn't because I was like coveting some other thing I'd rather be playing. It was just I wasn't oh, okay. having fun. I was going to ask you that because we've all been there. Right. Um, yeah. I was a little worried about that. Like, thing, you know, you just mentioned the big games that have come out recently. But no, yeah. I was when I the first half of this game, I was, you know, it was on my schedule every night. I'd make time for it. I was really enjoying it. By the end, it was just like. I just I would have rather been doing anything else, and I, I'm not sure what necessarily caused that, but it what's graded happened on to me, Brian? But... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I, I don't immediately disagree with you. I I think um, the game is too long. Um, I wasn't expecting the game, this game to be eight ten hours long. Like it doesn't it, for for an arcade shooter, it doesn't really require it to be that long. Like actually, the the desert area, be it the, the first starting area or the Navajo, Navajo area. That's actually half of the game. So the environments are very, very similar. Like, I feel like they could have cut out the Navajo section and been perfectly fine with making it a couple of hours shorter, got to the city. Um, you get a lot, a lot of bang for your buck. I think where I'd probably disagree is I was enjoying the arcade nature of it. And I was having... I think I went in this game expecting not to have fun. And that's a weird way to, to approach games. But, you know, you know, games like this, sometimes she's like, okay, well you know, how is it going to hold up? And, you know, I had that thing in my mind. I'd played it for like five, ten minutes. I was like, yeah, it is what it is. But actually, by the most of the way through the game, like the dogfighting for me never never actually got that boring. Um, they add enough variety of jumping into Zeppelins at any one time to, to blow stuff up or chase sequences and, and stuff like that. I think they did a lot with what they had, but I keep going back to that thing. What they had was a 2003 arcade plane shooter, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you... If you put it just on the face of it, it's it is what it is. It you know they for me it, it could be a tighter a tighter experience just by making it slightly shorter. But you know there was elements where I was in mid combat, some tight controls, trying to avoid a lot of stuff going on, 
knowing that I needed to shoot a plane down and pick up a health pack because I was getting very, very close to, to dying and actually pulling away from the mission. There's frustration, of course, in any of these things where anything timed becomes a real nuisance because it's timed. Let's face it, <laughs> like it if it just leads me to, to go around to shoot fun stuff, it's more fun. Time it and it's like put me against the pressure. That stuff didn't necessarily yeah. engage me as, as much because it's just that frustration element that can creep in. But I, I think for, for the game, what it was at the time, I, I honestly think they did a, a really decent job of keeping the variety going. Um, we can have, certainly we will have a discussion on whether the, the boss fights are fair. And that's a discussion we've had on many games. <laughs> and I don't think this one's <laughs> going to escape any less. That some of the boss fights are Well, yeah, it comes difficult. into my next point, yeah. really. Because I, I wanted to say, like, I, I felt for me and for my ability at these kinds of games, broadly across the experience, I thought the difficulty was pretty well judged and worked nicely for me in that there were a few missions that I had to do maybe twice and occasionally three times on normal difficulty. And that's absolutely fine. There were two missions which I had to do about 15 <laughs> or 20 times mm -hmm. and that was less fun. Um, and you can say, you know, you can say get good. Well, eventually I did, um, but they just outstayed their welcome. Now, the first of those we'll talk about. This is not a boss as such. It's a it's a it's a progress gate, though, which is uh, one of these trials set by this uh, ancient wise Navajo <laughs> Indian, uh, as it has it in the game, Native American, who demands that you follow his plane. Um, now, this whole thing. Uh, so uh, Chris posted saying, I think I'm stuck. I, don't, I don't know how to do this. Uh, Tony said, oh, I did this first time. Because there's always <laughs> one. So there's always <laughs> one. Um, but handily, he offered some hints and tips. And Chris came back very short time later saying, oh, thanks. That was great. I've done it. So when I got to this bit, I was forewarned and forearmed with not only Chris's experience, but also the tips from Tony. And it still took me about 15, <laughs> 20 goes maybe um, because I just, yeah, it's, it, it just doesn't give you enough information about where you, how close you need to be to this plane. And there were a couple of points where, and I think all that it was, there's a bit where it goes, it almost certainly goes out of sight unless you're absolutely kind of locked onto it. There were a few times after Tony said, you need to keep really close to him that I actually failed by, uh, yes, crashing into him. Oh, that's too him. close. <laughs> uh, that is, yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I think there was this one bit where it's literally like you're going left or right past an, a rocky outcrop and I was going left and he was going right. So, I, you know, I'd end up in the canyon on the on the final bit of the run right next to him right on his tail and then it would say yep. you failed and it's and it just feels like what have i done <laughs> it's just one of those classic um yeah very much it felt this this felt like something out of a like an n64 kind of era game and i know we weren't that much past the driver that, driving test <laughs> yeah it's that kind of bit right. like that yeah, yeah although although i actually did that fairly first time uh, not on my first go but no 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 <laughs> i think it was about eight eight times or something um but yes, it, this was a frustrating moment. And then eventually, of course, I posted on the sack saying, it's all very well you saying this, but I still can't do it. And then, of course, <laughs> I, I did it in the next few goes. The next uh, try, exactly. I was right. Yeah. I was right. Just I was and, literally but, just. But weirdly, like it's a one and done. Like that, 
that ho- yeah, it doesn't ever come thing. up again. It's just thank God, and, and it didn't come up before. There's nothing like this before in the game. Yeah, like it, the, my 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 issue was, and you know when when I when I had done it, I thought, thank the heavens <laughs> yeah. that I thank never. Thank God they have didn't put a second and again. a third version of that in. Like they right. and a rare a rare game would have done. And in fact, that's what it's like. Banjo Tui. Do you remember the race with the mad bird lady? Is that anyway? <laughs> sorry, Chris. Carry on. No, it's it's like it it it's the, when I so the way I managed so the bit I was struggling with is not yeah I mean the, it's so rigid in that like if you don't follow the exact route it will say you failed and you're like well what do you mean I'm I'm just behind you however failed and then but the bits I was struggling with was you know the bits where he kind of loops over the outcrops and. I just kept losing sight of him, and I was like, oh, well, "How do I do this?" And in the end, the way the way I, in the end the way I did it was I made sure that my camera was always had the guy who I was trailing. I was always had him in my sights, even if my plane was going way kind of off piste. Because then I found that if you do that, you can speed up to you can recover the ground. Mm-hmm. So I was just making sure on kind of right focus where I'm going, make sure that kind of I'm just sticking you know quite close to this. But then. I kind of get straight again. I'd be like, well, where is he? And then one, once I kind of made sure, right, just make sure he's always in your sight. I kind of, it took me about two or three goes. But those, those times when like in this game, you, you can collide with other planes, right? And and generally you'll just bounce off one another. You'll yeah, you take a bit of damage. But completely, yeah. He's got a bolster. He's got one of those bolster yeah, yeah. planes. That <laughs> as soon as you touch him, it explodes. Soap bubble. And I, so uh, yeah, I get I get frustrated with games all the time. Like I'm sure we all do. Mm-hmm. Most games I play at some point I experience frustration. But this game, the reason I enjoyed playing this game was because the difficulty, yeah, felt just right for me. Like there was a couple of missions that I mm-hmm. I had to replay, but I didn't ever feel stuck. Yeah, and then I had this roadblock, yeah. and I was like. I said, if it wasn't for the podcast, I would have. Yeah. My controller would have gone down, and I would never have yeah. picked it back Difficult. up again. Classic. Mm. And the other one for me was the final boss, which took a whole load of goes. Uh, And it was as much as anything because it wasn't very clear about, I didn't think about where you needed to go next. I didn't do that first time, just to let you know. (laughs) There were some some voice instructions, but the combination of, um, I think, I think they just like, so you have to shoot all these external Tesla generators on on this massive, massive dirigible but they're quite there's quite a lot of them and they're quite well tucked away and they open and close and there's gun turrets then it there's there's all these kind of potential openings there's there's like stuff on the downside which is creating these um big uh typhoons which are sucking up all these buildings i don't think by the way thankfully this game isn't one of those that has like a metal system or a grading system for levels so Basically, you will lose some of these buildings unless you do this in record time. And there's oh yeah, absolute... I left I left Chicago in ruins. <laughs> but there's no ruins. there's no penalty for it, right? They still <laughs> fly off into the sunset. It's not like there's not like good ending, bad ending because you did this final boss so so slowly. Um, and then you're supposed to go in one way and then in another, and yeah, it just it didn't make any sense to me. You have to keep going back and forth to the repair place if you're like me. Um, and until you've shot all the external generators, there's this uh, massive Tesla gun on the front, which basically chips away at your health um, and you can't avoid it. And yeah, it was um, I, I basically I quite liked the uh, 
the the whole premise and the idea of a big assault on a big you know major assault on a big craft and there's you know kind of you got start you got, got a whole return of the jedi vibes going on well, actually that was true of the flying out the cave thing too but i just found that um i think the game for its time was reasonable with uh generally with checkpointing and mm. uh saving your achievements and so on like this but this one was just like i kept having to go back to the start hearing the speeches again yeah. the same bits of dialogue and all that and yeah i'm not sure exactly how many goes it took me but it, it was about an hour's worth of play it, which it is doesn't quite help percentage. for me as well because they in that fight in particular they they checkpoint where you need to go to and i'm just looking at it and i'm flying around the plane going you can put a dot where i need to go to but i have no idea like clearly that's internal of the plane but i have no idea how to get in the precisely end. and so then i was like yeah, okay well yeah, yeah. clearly you have to go through what looks like a uh, a nasher's jaw of mechanical stuff at the very front which you need to break yep. down these t- 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 drives and blah 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 but the one time i tried that i died going into those jaws yes. so i was like yeah okay well clear, it's not that clearly then. it's not that but it was that it's just my mm. plane was low health timing and the timing of yeah, yeah. when to do it yeah but it meant that for another 20 minutes half an hour i'm flying around yeah. the plane poking into that top like wind turbine generator yep. going yeah well look this is the only access point because the front's not going to work and it was and it even shows you the <laughs> the, the generators on that top thing they look damageable she does say mm-hmm. you over can't the shoot radio, through it like, like you can't <laughs> you can't shoot through it but don't show me them then <laughs> like um and i probably lost yeah half a dozen lives just just yeah forcing my way through eventually just seeing the, the opening on that front then when you finally get in the opening in the front, you're you're greeted by like flamethrowers across the internal yeah. guts. You can shoot those actually. And then um, like different you, walls yeah. and things, like 90 degree bend turns that you need to take and then eventually end up in... At least you can go out the back. You end up in that turbine in. thing, trying to shoot these things whilst avoiding blades that are flying around in the middle. And I died in there. I was like, oh, you are kidding me. <laughs> like, I guess I know now how to get in there. But it, yeah, that of all the points in the game, that was, yeah, that... I. I mean, you want yeah, you want spectacle and challenge from the final bus, yeah. but it's the the way in which the challenge was delivered. I found confusing. A similar fight, like two thirds of the way through the game, where you got the Tesla um, Zeppelin, yeah, and that's a lot more kind of like just take down armor around the ship uh, and you know slowly let it blow up. But that's a, quite an impressive ship. Like it's really big. And it's like it's engulfing another ship that's coming along. You're uh, one of the other Zeppelins that's literally just chomping away at it and it's like it's yeah. it's quite phallic and weird but you know it it works um it's absurd but fun yeah, yeah I, I actually thought the the animation and the presentation on the the big spider mechs clambering over the <laughs> yeah. environment was well done yeah. and the, the yeah. first one where you have to you have to shoot it before it gets to this lab was um yeah. nicely done stormy night very cool and i thought the health system worked relatively well there's normally places that you can dock your plane down and actually repair but you know quite often if you run out of ammo or, or health you need to be shooting down the you know the, the other random planes from the sky picking up those health things and yeah sometimes that got me completely out of situations where I, any other way i was going to die um definitely one thing i did want to mention because i didn't engage with them partly because I thought they'd be maybe as frustrating as the aforementioned follow the plane trial. Every map has uh, some quests and side quests on it. At one point, um, we just go around. There's there's in- blue interaction icons and you can press X to start up a mission. You don't know what it's going to be until after you've clicked on it, of course. But yeah, it might be delivering, might be protecting, might be attacking. 
but there's one of them which is uh, a race and and the interesting element of this is obviously you don't know how long the course is going to be or how good your opponent's going to be before you do it on the first attempt anyway but you are asked to make a wager and i think you can bet all your money mm -hmm. if you want half of it i think half, is your max. Okay. you can bet up to half Thanks, yeah Chris. so a huge percentage of potentially what you collected which obviously is you know there, there is a huge risk reward aspect here but i suppose it makes sense to can you run the race and then deliberately lose narrowly you, with a small amount of money and then do it again can, for a large amount did. of money. Really. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's the way uh, to do it. And the other way right. you can do it is say that the race is 52 seconds long. So you can register a time at 53 seconds. So you can literally yes. break at the line and yeah. just go over the line because you know you can do it in, say, 41 yeah. seconds. So every time you do it, you can just put a larger wager on knowing that, Unless yeah. all else fails, you're going to break the economy of the game, time. which is must be why they put the tokens in as yes. well as the money for the upgrades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a few races. Oh, I should, maybe don't, I should have done that. Those races actually are not difficult. I like, they're no. not difficult. I did all of them. Oh, really? Okay. I, so, yeah, I've got a If there was an achievement, really bad... I might have been, been tempted, but. Yeah, I've got great. bad history with like races in games that aren't racing games, like horse racing and Assassin's Creed and whatnot. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, I don't, don't like the sound of this race. But actually, yeah, it's pretty trivial. Actually, oh, okay. and and as to as Tony said, it is a way to uh, rake in the readies. <laughs> I'd, I'd, next playthrough I'd argue twenty forty three. I think there could have been a bit more variety in the planes. I, and yeah, I the, think the so reason as well, I say yeah. that is there's a couple of planes like you get the Tesla gun that you think, oh, cool, look, like real like electric shotgun, and I used it, it was like that's ineffective as anything. It's really weak, absolutely yeah. pointless. I really went out my way to get that. Like, like it was, you know, I just went back to the yeah. normal one, upgraded ship, and just generally um, just barge my way through. And I actually found the um, the combat on a lot of the you can dock onto the airships at any one point and fire from the turrets. And like, mm. that was okay, but quite often it was just easier to jump in your plane and shoot down stuff yeah. unless it was an enforced. But I did really appreciate the flexibility mm. in that respect, yeah. in that it lets yeah. you decide. And it won't necessarily punish you. And you can you've even got time within most of the missions to judge whether it's better to be in the plane mm. or better to be on a turret. There's a few where yeah. you just have to have to kind of make your choice. I'm, I'm worried. But I'm actually, worried that Brian's been quiet on this section. <laughs> no, not quiet. No, it's uh, I, I the, the boss fight thing. You guys had already added everything. <laughs> I, I felt I disagreed with all of you. It just um. The, I would typically use the turrets as a last ditch mm. for, oh, I'm out of health. I'm not sure if I can make it back to the repair yeah. station or kill a plane. I love just that. You can, there, if you've got a really that. damaged plane, you can just grab another one and it's got Ex full yeah, health. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I would I would use those for that. Um, but and and the races, I actually like so I am I'm very much a completionist in games like this. Like I do all the icons, even yeah, the ones yeah. I don't particularly like. I just don't know why. <laughs> like I got to check that box. And but by the end of this game, um, I wish I had known about that economy thing because I spent a lot of time um, uh, doing some extra stuff to get enough money for that final plane, um, the mm. brigand, the final mm. upgrade there. But mm. uh, so I didn't figure that out on my own, unfortunately, because that would save me some time. Because I by the end, I was really not looking to engage with anything mm. other than, like I was doing like I was looking up a wiki guide to find out which blue dot was the next main mission blue dot. <laughs> so I could just do that and and move forward um, with it. So. Um, not again, not to just to, to discount it. So some of those races are actually 
pretty cool. I I think I find them more forgiving than some of the races in other similar games, like you said, Chris. Like uh, the gates are, and and sometimes like pretty exhilarating in between the rocks. Those turns they have you taking, and um, and uh, I just wish I knew I could break the game that way <laughs> by doing it. But yeah, yeah. For me, like these little side quests just about do enough to stop monotony setting in just as a counterpoint to brian's earlier point i think the fact that you can jump in a turret the fact that you can just take a break from the story and go and do a little fetch quest or go and do a little race it just yeah i mean other than races most of them do involve shooting things from the sky that is true uh, in in different ways but there's just there was just enough variety in the in the mission and in the story mission design you know, over my, you know, whatever time I spent playing, the seven or eight hours in, in my in my almost complete playthrough, it, it was just enough to stop the, the, oh, God, not again, kind of feeling setting in. Um, I didn't engage with too much the side stuff. I was kind of more focused on the, on the story because I'm a bit like Brian. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want this to overstay as welcome. Um, but I think the, the trick for me was I gave myself, you know, a good, couple of months head start on this show because you know let's face it we've all been in this scenario we're trying to you know beat games at a time limit and i just i had the sneaking feeling this was one i wanted to to spread over a, a longer period so it mm, meant that yeah. ultimately I, I was playing it one night leave it you know, it's the kind of game you could put down it's you know you're not really following a, a story as such you know you're not going to forget the controls all of a sudden so i'd, I'd li- have a a blast and do one area leave it for a couple of nights come back to it and it felt a lot more fresher for me that way rather than just you know mm. ticking it off ticking it off ticking it off um I c- and you did it over maybe three or four sessions i yeah. think but yeah a couple of hours of time yeah uh anything more to be said on the the core gameplay of the game anyone bursting to offer any more nuggets i've just one question is there a New like equivalent to New Game Plus. Can you go back through mm. keeping your upgrades? And I don't believe so. It, just, um, just I think you, it was it? just a yeah. Back to the main really menu. dumps you. Yeah, yeah. Done right the back right. menu. You can load up your previous file and then select missions um, and do that. I'm not sure oh, if it okay. keeps your upgrades or not. Um, mm. So theoretically, you could replay older missions with upgrade planes, but I I didn't test that out. Yeah, nice uh, okay. modern option would be the ability to <clears throat> just post game journey from one location to the other and mop everything up. Right, and mm-hmm. obviously it, it could have achievements attached to all that stuff. So yeah, but no, I think it's pretty much very brief <laughs> end cutscene, and boom, it's actually yeah. a really brief end cutscene. <laughs> it really is, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Uh, Power off, run out of money. Mm. Um, who knows, or time, or both. The, the the bad guy blows up in the ship. In the ship, that was all. That's your end game cutscene. That is basically yep. it, and flying to the sunset. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, Curious about these cheats, but didn't need them in the end. I was quite sort of pleased to know they were there uh, because they are proper old school cheats in that you just unlock them in the game and they stick and they don't stop you progressing. They just, you know, they, yeah. they don't lock well, you don't up. Have <laughs> you don't have to pay for them. You don't have to pay for them. Yeah. When I saw these, I, I tested them out um, just because, you know, I it just 
It's just a, such a reminder of an era gone by, and it even has the great right. thing where if you put in the infinite ammo Love cheat or, or infinite missiles cheat or whatever it is, it like you put in the crack button command, and it makes the it makes like a noise, like an indicator, yeah, yeah. like it, like a fun little indicator for each one. It reminds you, it just oh, reminds me. I of think the, God mode uh, mocks you basically, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. IDDQD days, you know what I mean? Just yeah, like yeah. old. Uh, <laughs> it was just it was it was a fun little thing. I never didn't use them in my actual playthrough, but I I did you know hit them up just to kind of see them. It was. A fun little callback. I mean, at the time, it wasn't a callback, but a callback for me now. <laughs> for the elite players, there is a harder, harder, harder mode, ultra hard, if you really want that. But all the other modes are a god mode, uh, a thousand points damage per shot, which Tony says is basically one hit kill on anything. Yeah, one shot and everything, yeah. Which is a very quick way to play through the game if you don't <laughs> like the uh, the actual to and fro and the tussle of the dogfighting. You can get 5,000 cash. Can you repeat that one? Do you know? Is it just you keep... Yes, I, I, I checked out a YouTube video which was went through the cheats and, um, yeah, so basically you can keep on repeating that uh, infinite token. Okay. But, the uh, yeah, the re- and so the the one the 1,000 point, they basically shoot a the one of the, you know, one of the bosses and it goes down in one shot. Right. <laughs> it was like, wow, that was a completely different experience than I had. You'd probably do the game in about half yeah, an hour. Yeah, that's why I said if you really want to, <laughs> yeah. you can really break it, but... You know, once, once again, just fun. It's, why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's an unlock all planes as well. If you want to try out the ones you missed. Ben Johnson from our Patreon says, this wasn't the first console game I played online. That was Fantasy Star Online. But it was my first Xbox Live game. Aww. My main memory was being in voice chat with some guy from Kansas telling me, go get that chicken. <laughs> I don't know that there are many games nowadays that are quite like it, if any. The world is amazing with its 1930s aesthetic, planes and characters that bring to mind a proto-Indiana Jones, though the story definitely isn't anything special and the cutscenes are the most dated part of the game. Dogfighting feels great and once you come to terms with the slightly wonky controls, you'll be doing loop-de-loops and barnstorming with the best of them against evil German scientists and giant Tesla robots there are any games microsoft needs to find a good team to develop a sequel the crimson skies universe and mech assault should be top of the list if only rare wasn't so busy with sea of thieves i'd, I'd play a rare crimson skies game imagine how good that mm, yeah, would look that's good yeah um yeah we forgot to actually mention talking about uh nathan zachary and the fact <laughs> that nathan drake's been mentioned like do naughty dog mm-hmm. actually owe <laughs> like a a little debt to fasa studio the fact that they called him nathan the fact that personality wise he's Almost the same, yeah, and he and looks uh, almost he the looks same. Looks a lot. He's very more of a scandal in this, though. Surely, uh, I don't uh, know. Maybe doesn't kill as many people. He's in a plane. Like every, what, every person you shoot down is a they person. Away. <laughs> they will get away. Can you imagine yeah, the carnage get away, on the Tony. streets? Did you not see the parachutes? The carnage on the streets of Chicago. Think of the people down there. Just plane parts <laughs> raining down Zeppelin. from the skies at all times. <laughs> I think I think actually history yeah. tells us that zeppelins were a bad idea, and I think this game also tells us that zeppelins probably a bad <laughs> idea, especially under heavy fire. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was a multiplayer mode, of course, and Xbox Live. None of it's playable anymore. No. I don't think it's not even available peer to peer. My experience in video games history with dogfighting games is that it always sounded to me like the best idea in the world on paper but the reality was always somewhat disappointing dogfighting video games in that there was a lot of 
not fighting and then very brief. <laughs> and that's probably authentic in its own way. I remember there was this, I'm trying to remember what it was called. There was a split screen Amiga wireframe flight game where I bought it specifically because it just seemed like such good, brilliant idea. Death matches with your mate in the sky. And then it was a bit, it was a bit limp. And I found the same with the, like the Star Fox 64, the Lilac Wars multiplayer. Yeah. Um, and so my, my thought on this is it could have been great, but it probably would have been a bit uh, flash in the pan. I even feel that way about modern attempts at this, like with the the newer versions of the Star Wars Battlefront games. Like, like in my mind, like a bunch of X wings and Tie fighters. Oh, the recent squadrons, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that would have been wonderful. And then in playing it, I find it to be really next to no fun at all. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Yeah, I bought that game and didn't play it. Yeah, (laughs) what's that all about? Um, Co-op would have been cool though. I reckon playing through the story in co-op might have been fun. Oh, yeah, that'd probably be a lot of fun, especially now, you know, just voice chatting with somebody and just kind of tuning out from the story and just yeah. shooting down planes. Like, Yeah. Know, I, I played, that. that's how I, uh, a buddy and I played the recent Crackdown game, Crackdown 3, and mm. which is a game that I could, if I played by myself, I'm sure it'd have all sorts of negative things to say about, but when you're running around with a friend yeah. just blowing stuff up, it's, it's, it's yeah. a lot of fun, you know? Mm. Simple stuff. Why not? Uh, Ashman86 from the forum says, Back in the days when the official Xbox magazine was my source for monthly game demos and previews, I was pleasantly surprised to discover Crimson Skies, which was a game that had flown, no apologies for the pun, under my radar until then. (laughs) It was the rare demo I played over and over, often as a palate cleanser to whatever other game I was playing through at the time. None of my friends ever showed any interest in it, but I spent plenty of time sharing my love of the demo with my friend Jose nonetheless. A couple of months later, it was Christmas time and Jose actually gifted me a copy of the game. I was excited to dig into the full campaign, but I couldn't have played more than a few hours of it before it got backburned for one reason or another. Always meant to come back around to it, but I never did. As I've written about on the Cane and Rinse blog in my article about Morrowind, Jose died by suicide in 2020 and his unexpected passing has tinted much of the nostalgia I feel for those original Xbox games I enjoyed with him. Crimson Skies feels like an exceptionally special title to me, as a result, despite how little time I actually spent with it. Instead, I think fondly of how about how he allowed me to blather on about the demo and how he cared enough to surprise me with the game only a couple of months later. Maybe it's high time I dug out that old copy and picked up where I left off. Simpler times. Well, that is fewer... Thanks for sharing that with us. That was yeah, a nice story. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There was some merch in October 2002, and this is this is like the uh, the the Halo fans' defense of well, you had to read all the novels to understand the backstory. <laughs> you do, Del Rey Liam, published... I told you this, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, in October 2002, Del Rey published the mass market paperback book *Crimson Skies* as an official tie-in to the Xbox game. The book is not a prequel to the Xbox game; instead, it, it offers the backstory of the world of *Crimson Skies* and also details the adventures of three of the series' main characters in the form of three short stories. Paladin Blake and the Case of Phantom Prototype by Eric Nyland, The Manchurian Gambit by Michael B. Lee, and Bio Blues by Nancy Berman and Eric S. Troutman. Published a year before the final release date of Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge, the book contains several inconsistencies with the final version of the game. (laughs) Although billed as a tie-in with the game, numerous main characters and prominent aircraft from the book don't make an appearance (laughs) in the game. 
In addition, the book contains a reference to a Zeppelin casino, which was featured only in the E3 2002 demo build. So nice idea. Authors, you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're probably fairly collectible now. I don't know uh, for fans. I don't know if they they go for a lot of money or whether they were published in large amounts as pulpy books tend to be. Um, but, you know, nice. Nice to know it happened anyway. Not much is out there really in the post Crimson Skies world. There's there are some videos. There's definitely some big fans. I watched a video of um, somebody who found a bunch of stuff out, probably some of which we shared from the game just by saying, oh, I've just been playing this game for 20 years. So I know all this stuff about it. It's like every game has its kind of utter devotees, which I love. Um, but there aren't like a huge amount of resources or articles. There is a wiki, of course. But one article I did find was from IGN reporting on its own podcast, IGN Unfiltered, back in 2017. Having spoken to Mitch Gittleman, executive producer, he said on this podcast, High Road to Revenge deserved a sequel. That team deserved a sequel. At the time, Microsoft decided that each studio would focus on just one game. And we were doing Shadowrun and Crimson Skies simultaneously and still working on Mech Assault and stuff. And it just collapsed it all down so yeah it was essentially the the fact that they had more than one ip uh they weren't given enough to work on multiple ips i guess andrew elmore from our forum says it's been some years since i've spent any meaningful time with crimson skies but my memories are fond sure i could go play it on my series x right now and relive it honestly but I love the version of the game that lives on in my memories, and I'd like to preserve that version. In my romanticised recollections, Crimson Skies isn't a flagship multiplayer title for Xbox Live, a service I was not able to access at the time due to our home router being on the other side of the house from where the Xbox lived in the days before Wi-Fi. Instead, it's purely a high-flying single-player adventure, vast in its melodramatic scale. When I think of Crimson Skies, I think of the deafening roar of primitive propellers keeping me in the sky by sheer force of raw horsepower over any kind of complex aerodynamic engineering. I think of the wind battering my crude Sherpa-lined leather helmet and goggles as the spent brass casings of my nose-mounted machine guns fly past my head into the water below. I think of the smell of diesel and motor oil trailing from pockmarked holes in the fuselage as I try to manoeuvre between steel trusses of a bridge to grab one of those glowing health pickups to keep my plane in the air. I'm sure that's not at all an accurate representation of the experience of playing Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge, but I'm certain that it's how I'll choose to remember my time with it. I think you might be pleasantly surprised, actually, Andrew, but by all means, don't, yeah, don't, don't break your memories on our account. <laughs> Listen to our summaries first. We've got a few three-word reviews in. Follow us on social media places at Kane and Rince, naturally. Digital Firefly says, Indiana Jones flies. Bearfish Pie says, just plain fun. Bearfish Pie also says, skies of arcade Yeah. Bimsy <laughs> says, pure matinee perfection. We don't normally allow the P word, but as it had the qualifier of matinee, <laughs> I'm going to let it go. <laughs> right. Summary time for Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge. And in an unusual twist, I usually <laughs> like to start with the most negative person, and that's never been Brian before. 
But here we are. Yeah, I don't oh, think Brian. so. Brian. What, um, what a misery. What a sad sack. <laughs> I don't know why we keep him around. Yeah, that's me. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I was really looking forward to replaying this game and the experience that I found it to be was not the way that I remembered it. Um, I didn't necessarily remember it as romantically as Andrew Elmore from the forum post did, but um, but I, I remember really liking this game. And, and by the end of playing it in 2023, I just... I'm not sure if it was the combat, the mission structure, the sameness of it. Um, I, I, I don't feel that way uh, generally about older games, especially games from this era. I can typically go back, go back to a GameCube title or a PS2 title or, or what have you and, and not have trouble getting back into it. This one just, it didn't have enough for me to keep me interested uh, in the long term. I, I found the mission design to be really repetitive at, to a point where I was just looking for the way out and not necessarily looking to get all the fun I could out of the missions. And and that really bummed me out because I, I had positive memories of this game in my head. Um, I actually, my recommendation is, is what Andrew Elmore just suggested, which is if you remember this game fondly, I, I, I'm, I did too. And I, I wish I still did. Um, but in looking at viewing it from a 2023 lens, I just, I, I can't necessarily recommend this one as, as one to go back and play. I think this is one that age has not been particularly kind to. And even with the bells and whistles of the Xbox Series X version, it's it was not something that I that I uh, enjoyed by the end of my time with it going back and play. But because I'm me, what I will say <laughs> is the stories that um, were just shared with us by Ashman and by Andrew Elmore is just like, like this, this was a video game that I did not necessarily enjoy playing through. But I, what's, I mean, what's a video game other than time spent leisurely doing something that you love to do? So, while I don't recommend, I would recommend other video games over this. If you're going to choose to spend some nights playing through this video game, that's still better than a lot of ways to choose spending other nights. So, if you enjoy this type of stuff, if this seems like your jam, get into it. It just wasn't one for me this time around. Well. What a shame. <laughs> Harsh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we put you through this, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was I was I was forced into it. Terrible, terrible stuff. Uh thanks, Brian. Chris. Yeah, I felt quite trepidatious. Is that is that even a That's word? Perfect oh, well. word. Sure. Go. I use it a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I okay, I'll run with it. I felt quite trepidatious coming into this because I just come off rogue squadron <laughs> and oh boy that that was a rough time podcast uh, coming up and folks. also the whole trilogy it is yeah spoilers spoilers opinions may change um and i also put in about five hours into the original crimson skies in preparation and it was it was interesting i was a bit like oh okay a full game but it really surprised me almost from the first moment how Nice it felt to play, how good it looked, how good it sounded. Uh, the mission design grabbed me. I found the variation just about right. I found it challenging, but not too challenging. And I would say, apart from one or two spikes, and the fact that I didn't finish it, and so I can't speak to the end of the game, if it wasn't for the horrible trial by skill, it would get a pretty strong recommendation from me if you are in the mood for some yeah you know, i don't want to sound disrespectful to the people who worked hard to make this but if you're in the mood for some pretty disposable arcade shooting fun then 
this is a game that yeah i would recommend just prepare yourself for one or two you know pretty pretty difficult and frustrating missions but if you can get through that there is some fun to be had here and uh it, to my mind it stands up very very well against peers in its genre and uh yeah i would recommend it i think it's on game pass you can get through it in eight to ten hours there's a good time to be had Thanks, Chris. I goofed there because I'd actually meant to have Tony go next, but I'm not sure it matters that much. We'll find out. Uh, I'm not going to make Jay shuffle the editing order, although I did think it would be quite entertaining to ask Jay to, every time we start a new point, play some of the background music overly loud, (laughs) some really urgent orchestra music. Um, But don't worry, Jay, I'm not really going to make you do that. Yeah, I'll go next. I enjoyed going back to this quite a lot with a couple of um areas that i didn't enjoy so much but i was surprised by its uh, kind of overall friendliness with those couple of missions accepted uh, and its flexibility relatively generous checkpointing for the most part well judged difficulty on the default settings at least although as i say i was curious to see if the dogfighting was any more kind of dynamic and uh if the ai did upskill any on the on the higher difficulty settings we're 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 positing possibly not but who knows if if it's one of those situations where we didn't have any uh, correspondence to to educate us on this but um it might be one that those uh, hardcore crimson skies fans who are still out there who for whatever reason in 5 years time randomly search for a podcast and find this one about their their beloved game <laughs> and then they 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 post on the on the on the blog uh, years and years after we post the podcast, say, why did you say this? It's not true. Um, so yeah, by all means, let us know in uh, in in future times as yet unexperienced. But yeah, I it's one of those where so this this genre does appear to have fallen almost completely out of favour. I know there was the Star Wars Squadrons games two or three years ago, um, but I think even that is mostly first person. I'm thinking specifically about third person aerial combat shooters so like Star Fox I know you could technically go into cockpit view in that game but you didn't minus frame rates um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah it just wasn't set up to control that way but specifically these kind of behind the ship um so yeah like secret weapons of normandy i think was one and the rogue series which as i say we're covering soon um i feel like i am forgetting maybe some obvious recent example right now but um, I feel like also when I when I want to play one of these kinds of games, my mind immediately goes to Star Fox 64 or Lilac Wars, which suggests there aren't too many alternatives. But this for me is another one in that kind of ballpark. It doesn't have the, the sci-fi and the cute animals, obviously, of, of Star Fox, but uh, it does have a surprising amount of um, of residual fun. I think it's aged pretty elegantly for me. Uh, I'm not with Brian on this. I think for me over 20 years, uh, outside of certain story aspects and presentation aspects, the really grainy FMV, um, the actual game players stood up fairly well, and I got an absolute yeah, I got I got a buzz off off playing some of these dogfights. Even though I I do agree with Brian in a way, I think there is there is a lack of enemy variety and a and a and a certain amount of repetition. But for whatever reason, that moment to moment of here's another squadron of planes rather than me finding it a slog and, and a grind and wanting it to be over. I was thinking, oh, cool, another squadron of planes. Um, 
I wasn't thinking that so much when I had to <laughs> attempt the final boss 20 times or whatever. But anyway, uh, yes, it's on Game Pass. It's gloriously enhanced on Series X. And uh, yeah, I absolutely think there's still fun to be had with this unless you find that there isn't. But why not check it out? It does get off to a quite a slow start. I'd give it at least a set of levels before you kind of bin it off uh, if you're not enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I would actually really like to see one of Microsoft's studios now revisit this IP with modern sensibilities, both in terms of presentation and gameplay, because uh, it could look and feel absolutely spectacular. Let's conclude with Tony. I feel probably a combination of everybody what's already said, but um, much like Chris, I, I honestly went into this game somewhat trepidatious um, because I've played games of this era and had some of those things like, oh God, if this could only control a little bit better or if this visually this was easier to, to pass, then I'd, you know, they'd make, you know, what would have been passable then doesn't necessarily fare well now. And actually, I think I was the first one on this on our Slack channel to to start playing it, and I think I surprised by everybody by saying, "Do you know what? I'm having a really, really good time with this game. More so than I exp- I literally went in there expecting to to find all sorts of difficulties. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I was really su- presently surprised. I thought the the controls in particular held up fantastically well. Do I think it could have more mission variety? Yes. You know, it, should the story be better? Probably. Like all those things that you can think of that maybe would plague a 2003 game in in a modern time. You know, they they exist here, but they not in a not in such an egregious way where it felt like I should stop playing the game because it was you know really insensitive or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, that could have been better. But I actually think for the moment to moment flying around combat, there's some. There's some really good dog chasing scenes, and I think a lot of a lot of where that comes from is, and Liam, you've already touched on this. I don't, I don't think there's too many other games in the genre that I've played of recent time. So to me, it came across relatively fresh. <laughs> because you know, if I play a first person shooter from 2003, yeah, you're you're sitting there critiquing it against first person shooters from 2023, and you know, of course, you're going to have issues. And I and I just don't think there's been huge amounts of arcade fun shooters that I've picked up in between playing Crimson Skies. So it's one of the rare games where I kind of went in here with rose tinted glasses because it was like, oh, I love the original Xbox, and Crimson Sky was one of those games. Uh, but then panicked the moment you think, oh God, I've got to play Crimson Skies in 2023 and actually walked away thinking that's better than I actually remember it being in, you know, 20 years ago. Um, it controls <laughs> better. I mean, it helps that I'm playing it on a much higher res system. But even then, like I've... That doesn't change no, the control. even then I've played games where, you know, you've up it and actually you see more flaws. You don't see you know, the positives, you see the negatives. And this, this... Yeah, it it held up really well. So, I ended up having a really good time with Crimson Skies. Um, I, I think there is some levels that have issues. That I think there's, there's one we have to fly for a temple. I remember bouncing off a few walls a number of times there, being lost, thinking, "God, you know, this could be tighter." But generally, yeah. generally, I think that um, actually most people could come back to Crimson Skies and play for it. And it's weird now because 
this is like a double A game ish. It would have been kind of almost like a triple A game then, but it, this falls in that kind of mm. weird category where nobody's really making this in in the indie space, and nobody is spending the kind of money to make it into kind of like a double A, triple A space. It just it weirdly sits in a little niche of its own in the games that we've mentioned in the past because I don't think there is too many. So for me, yeah, ended up actually having a blast playing for this, and, and glad I I got to to participate and enjoy it again all these years later. Well, there you go. There you have it. Crimson Skies. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Chris and Tony and Editor Jay, our correspondents. And of course, as ever, you for listening to us. Next time in issue 587. Wow, that's just what I wanted to see. The Ridge Racer series. (laughs) 